Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no basis for charge against this man. He is alive. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. He is alive. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus has come that we may have life and have it to the fullest. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. He is alive. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun had stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Now there is a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one that no one had yet been used. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. He is most definitely alive. The plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices that they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down to them, their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. He will be crucified, and on the third day will be raised again. Then they remembered his words. If you are here questioning his existence this Easter morning, He is alive. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded, 
you, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He is alive. He is alive. He is alive. He is alive. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is alive. What an amazing morning. What an amazing morning. You guys did great. Thank you. Leslie, awesome. I love uh, the drawing that Leslie did over here. Isn't it great to have art in church? We serve a creative God. We sing. We draw. If you feel like dancing, go ahead and dance. Just not right now. Give it a few minutes. Well, happy Easter. Happy Easter. It is so good to see you all. I, I met a bunch of new people today. Uh, new faces for me. I know some of you uh, have visited New Community before. Some of you, it's your very first time. And some of you have been coming for, for years and years and years. And you are all welcome. And it's good to have you in the house of the Lord today. As Pastor Kurt mentioned, there's a connect card on the seat. If it is your first time today, or if you're brand new to New Community, we would love to just be able to follow up with you this week after, uh, after Easter. Um, so if you could fill that card out for us, you can drop it off at the welcome table at the back afterwards, and uh, we'd just love to, to get to know you a little bit more. Well, made alive. Made alive. See, the only time something can be made alive is if it wasn't alive in the first place, right? And the opposite of being alive is being dead. dead. Made alive. Jesus died and he was buried he was put in a tomb the stone was rolled over the the entrance of that tomb and he was d-e-a-d dead done over right that's it in this life we know that one day we will all die and beyond that right this we're done here on this earth the disciples thought that jesus was done They were downcast. They were concerned. They were worried about what was coming next because their Savior, their Lord, their friend was dead. I love this perspective that Leslie drew. If you can see it real well in the back, I'll I'll, I'll explain what it is. This is the view from inside the tomb. I love that perspective. I didn't even ask her to do it. She just did it. I was like, yes, yes. And you can see on the horizon, if you come up, come up afterwards, get a closer look. But you can see the three crosses on Golgotha. What a great perspective. The, the to- stone is rolled away. The tomb is empty because Jesus is alive. He was dead and he has been made alive. Luke chapter 24 verse 1 through 9 says this, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of Jesus. Why? Because he's alive. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead. Can we just stop there for a second and, and just think about how ridiculous this was, how ridiculous sounding this was to these women because they had come with their spices to prepare the body 
of Jesus for burial. See, because he had been buried on Friday, I mean, he died on, on Friday, and he'd been put in the tomb on Friday night, and then the Sabbath day was the next day. And by Jewish law and custom, you could not touch a dead body on the Sabbath day, so they had to wait till the next day, to the third day. And so they had come to prepare his body. And for the angels, for these men dressed in dazzling white to say, why do you seek the living among the dead? And they're going, we're standing in a grave. This is where the dead are supposed to be. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and all the rest. It's a great story, and you can read in all of the Gospels, you can read this account of what happens over the next few days. See, because some of them believe, some of them doubt, some of them wonder, what does this mean? They're remembering and recalling the words of Jesus, but now there's another layer of fear because we didn't believe him. And, and what does this mean? Where are we going? And how does this affect our lives? It's a great story. He's not here. He has risen just as he said. That Jesus had died, but God the Father had made him alive. Had made him alive. But here's the thing about Easter. We don't just celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. I mean, it's worth celebrating, right? It's good, it's amazing, it's wonderful. But it's not the only thing we celebrate on Easter. If Jesus had risen just because he wanted to prove how powerful he was, it would put a totally different spin on Easter, wouldn't it? God just going, hey, check me out how awesome I am. Have a party, right? But it doesn't stop there, that Jesus is made alive, and because Jesus is made alive, we are made alive. We are made alive. And can I tell you, this isn't just a New Testament thing. This isn't just a Jesus thing. This just isn't just a gospel thing. Can I tell you, this is a scripture, heart of God thing. That all the way from the beginning in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2 verse 8 says this, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Dirt, alive or dead? It's dead. It is inanimate. There is no life in it. Yet God gets down into the dirt and he forms man. And I'm so glad that God is a good artist because if I had formed man, we would all look really funky, <laughs> right? God is amazing. A little Picasso going on, maybe. God forms man. And we're all through creation, he had spoken creation into being. He spoke and it was. He spoke and he said it and it happened. Yet when it came to man, he forms man out of the dust of the earth, out of an inanimate object, and then he breathes his life into Adam's nostrils. And what was dead comes to life. Adam was made alive. 
And at that point, there was no death. Adam was not a, a finite creature. He was not a temporal man. He wasn't just going to live for a certain amount of years and then die. That the garden and the sinless place that it was, there was no death. And God's design is that he would live with God for eternity. And that there would be an intimate relationship and communion between man and God. And God brought him to life. He created and formed Eve and brought her to life. Breathed life into her. Made something that was not alive. Made it, made her alive. For the purpose of relationship with God and with each other. We know the story in the book of Genesis is that sin enters the world through the disobedience of Adam and Eve. Where God had said, do not eat of this tree and of this fruit, the knowledge of good and evil. And Satan enters the scene and he comes to Adam and Eve and he says, listen, something's out of whack here. See, because God is just trying to limit you. God doesn't want you to be like him. And so he starts spinning these lies and he says to Adam and Eve, listen, God, it, it, God knows that if you eat of this fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. And they believe the lie and they eat the fruit and sin and death enter the world. And now all of a sudden what God had made alive is touched with death. And God comes and, and he casts Adam and Eve out of the garden. He says, listen, I can't have you stay here. I can't have you stay here in the sinful state lest you eat of the tree of life and live forever in the sinful condition. It's not okay. You can't live in this kind of suffering and pain forever. And so he casts them out of the garden. A seemingly harsh thing, but God had a plan. God had a plan. See, because God's not okay with dead things. He is a God of life. He is a God who takes dead things and he makes them alive. And so he starts working his plan, looking towards the cross all throughout the Old Testament. Abraham, Noah, Moses, all pointing towards who Jesus would be. And what he would accomplish. The prophets of the Old Testament all prophesying about the coming Messiah. And the life that would be restored to God's children. Because God's not okay with us being in a dead condition. And he sends his son. John chapter 10 verse 10. We heard it just a few minutes ago. says this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I, Jesus, have come that they may have what? Life, life, and have it to the full. That God wants us to experience the most amazing, overflowing, blessed, abundant life possible. Imagine the best life you could imagine and then just multiply it by infinity, which is, I love when kids say that, times infinity, right? Because we know that's just a lot. You can't wrap your head around it. That's the kind of life. That you just have life, just get through, just scrape by, just make it. That you would have life abundant, life to the full. I want that kind of life. I want that kind of life. And that the thief, the same enemy that we had in the Garden of Eden, is still here trying to rob us of the life that Jesus brings. 
Still deceiving, still lying, doing his schemes, doing his best to rob us of the things that God has. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life. An empty tomb. See, because if God can raise Jesus from the dead, what can he do in your life and in mine? He brings dead things to life. See, in John chapter 11, shortly before we see the cross and what happens with the cross, there's a story of a man named Lazarus who also had a problem called death. <laughs> so, right, it's a problem, right? If you're not breathing, that's a problem. If you're struggling with that, let's chat afterwards. It's, it's not a good thing to not breathe. Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. In fact, he was a friend of the family. He's a close friend. In John chapter eleven thirty-eight, it says this. Jesus once deeply moved. Let me stop for a second. Let me set the scene. Lazarus' sisters have come to Jesus and said, Lazarus is dead. He's going to die. We know, we know, we know he's going to die. The kind of sickness he has, there's no coming back from it. The only hope Lazarus has, Jesus, is you. The only hope is you. Jesus says, he's not going to die. He's not going to die. Because my glory and my power are going to be manifest and glorified in his life. He's not going to die. Don't sweat it. Well, Lazarus dies. And everyone is confused, right? Would you be confused if the God of the universe says, hey, this isn't going to happen and then it happens? It would create some conflict, Right? And it would, I create a lot of conflict. Come on, let's be honest. Especially when it's someone that Jesus... It wasn't some, someone that Jesus didn't know. It wasn't like the centurion's daughter who he didn't know personally. This was Jesus' friend. And he takes his sweet time getting there. You ever been waiting on someone and you're just like, can we please get going? I've led missions trips around the world and, and I've had opportunities, I've had opportunities to, to be in airports with, um, with teams. And I would say, you know, some people immediately go to, what well, was it, teenagers? Because, you know, sometimes, no, it's the adults. You guys are terrible. You're terrible because you're distracted. Duty-free shops in an airport. Oh, look at that. We got to get on a plane. Let's go. Let's move this thing along. And when you're waiting for someone, especially when it's important, because I don't want to be stuck in Dubai, okay? Right? Let's get on the plane and go. And you're frustrated. You guys have all been there, right? Not, not necessarily to Dubai, but you've been in that place where you're waiting and you're like, oh, I just want to get home and see my family. They're waiting on Jesus for something more important than catching a plane. A man's life hangs in the balance and he takes his time. And Lazarus dies. But we see the heart of God emerge in the midst of the story. Because Jesus doesn't show up and go, you idiots. <laughs> Do you ever feel like, like sometimes I call myself that and God has to correct me and go, I don't even call you that. Right? There's a word that for, there for someone. God doesn't talk to you like that. Don't talk to yourself like that. And sometimes we think that he does that to us. You fool. I said I, would, I said I would be there. I said I would come. I'm the Messiah. I'm God. Stop your doubting and your sniveling. And just, Lazarus, get out of the grave and show them how powerful I am. He doesn't do that. 
He stops and he says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Sound familiar? Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha. Martha, Martha, Martha. (laughs) But Lord, but Lord. Listen to her reasoning, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. By this time, there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Death doesn't smell good. We used to live in Alaska, and uh, one of the things, one of the benefits of living in Alaska is the most amazing fresh fish you've ever had in your life. Fresh salmon right out of the river, right on the grill. Halibut, right? They're catching halibut out in the bay. My brother-in-law would bring us like this, all of this fresh halibut. Never been to a store, never seen a freezer before. And so we had just a, a stockpile of fish. And we had this big chest freezer in our house. And, uh, and we'd stocked up for the summer. And it was kind of the end of the summer. So thankfully, because you know where the story is going, we were, we were almost out of fish. Well, I was doing some work in the house. And I had to unplug the freezer to, to plug something else in. And I got done doing my work and forgot to plug the freezer back in. In fact, it was probably about three weeks later. Right? (laughs) Now remember, this fish is vacuum sealed. Vacuum sealed. And I walked by and I saw that cord sitting on the ground and I just knew. And I was like, oh. And I went over and I cracked the seal. (laughs) And the smell that came out of that thing, well, it's... It made one of my children sick within a few minutes. It just went through the house, the stench, the smell of, of rotting halibut. Death doesn't smell good. And we washed that thing, we cleaned it, we sterilized it, and every time I cracked that thing open, the first thing I smelled was that fish. See, because, because death has a stench to it, decay. You can't get rid of it. It just permeates. And I just say the dead things in our lives, they linger, right? They linger. Martha's going, you can't go in there because I know you're a God and all, but he's been dead for four days and it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. And what does Jesus do? He ignores her. (laughs) He ignores her command or request rather. Then Jesus says, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I love this. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. I love that. This is for them. This, I know you can do this, but this is for them. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Wow. I mean, if you're standing there, you're, you're freaked out a little bit. You're overwhelmed. Your brother, who's supposed to be stinking, is now hopping out of the grave. And just pick, he's, he's bound up, so he's not walking, he didn't come walking out. Right, he's probably just doing this hopping thing. It must, it must have been a little bit comical. Right? And he comes out 
alive. What was dead had been made alive. Why? Because the power of the word of God went forth and Jesus called out something was dead and called it to life. You know, right before this, we hear the, the, the shortest verse, right, in the Bible, Jesus wept. We see the contrast of the power of God, yet the compassion, the empathy that God had. And there is debate over exactly what he was weeping about. But when I read that, I just see a God who cares. He cares. He knows that he can defeat whatever is facing you, whatever is standing against you, whatever seems like a giant in your life. He's got the power. Yet in the midst of it, the heart of God is this, I care about you. It's not just for me to display my power in a way that makes you feel small. I need you to know that I care about you. He calls Lazarus forward and then he says, take off the grave clothes because he's not dead anymore. When the women go to the tomb to embalm Jesus, they find an empty tomb and the thing that they find lying in there are the, clo- the, clo- the cloths, the linens that he was wrapped in when he was, when he was buried, when he was put, uh, put in the tomb. See, Jesus wasn't there and he didn't need the burial clothes anymore. Why? Because he'd been made alive. He says to the, the people around Lazarus, you go over and you take the cloths and the, and the wrapping off of him. He doesn't need them anymore. I have come that you might have life and life abundant, life to the fullest. Life to the fullest. And so there's a couple of things that we celebrate today, a couple of things we have to be aware of. First of all, that Jesus saves us to eternity. That starts now. That the power of sin and death, the power of hell is broken forever in our lives. That anchor that we were talking about, that immovable, immovable hope. Why? Because it's eternal. The hope and the salvation we have in Jesus isn't just for the now It's forever. And that Jesus saves us to eternity. Our life, our time here on earth is just, it's that, right? It's just that. It's April, people. It was just Christmas, right? It's flying by. It is flying by. Life, the Bible says, is like a vapor. Like the flowers in the field. They're here today. They're gone tomorrow. We put so much stock and value into this life. And God says, no, I saved you for eternity. See, because what he intended in the Garden of Eden is still his intent for us, that we would have eternal fellowship face-to-face with God himself. And so what was broken in the garden, he says, I'm going to set it right, and I'm going to set it right by sending my son to die on the cross. And I'm going to open the door, make a way, defeat hell, defeat death, and you get to go to heaven because of it. That's awesome. And we get to celebrate that today. But here's the thing. He didn't just save us for eternity. He saved us for this life as well. Why? Because Jesus cares. He cares about you. He cares about me. He cares about our families. He cares about our situation. He cares. And so, 
I mean, sometimes you kind of wonder, like, Jesus, it would have just been easier when you saved me that you just took me to heaven right there, right? Because life is hard. Can I get an amen? amen. I, I mean, I, maybe, but not for you. Okay, it's, life is hard for me sometimes. People are difficult. <laughs> You're like, did, did our pastor just say that? Yes, I did. I can be difficult. You can be difficult. Life can be difficult. There are pain, pains, there are sorrows, there are things in our lives that stink like something that's been dead for weeks. And maybe there's things in your life that you've been carrying around that stink like they've been dead for years. And you can't shake the stink. You can't shake the stench. And every day you wake up, every time, like I open that freezer, every day you wake up and you're like, I wish I could get that stench out of my nostrils. I know that Jesus has saved me, but I'm done with this. Can I tell you that God cares and that he has come not just to bring eternal life, but to bring life to every part of who you are. The Bible says that our spirits were dead until Jesus made our spirit alive. But then he brings life not just to the spirit, but he brings life to our soul, to our emotions, to our feelings. That God cares about how you feel. He really does. God cares about your body. And even though it, it's, it's a temporal, it's not eternal, we don't get to keep this. And some of us are like, amen, I get a new one. This is awesome. Can I get one with hair, please? Um, That God still cares. That he still, Jesus, because of the cross, says because of his stripes, by his stripes, we are healed. Why? Because God cares. Can I just say it would stink to have a God and a Savior who cared about part of our lives, but not all of our lives. I wouldn't want that kind of Savior. I wouldn't want that kind of Lord. But because he cares about every part of who I am, I can confidently surrender every part of who I am to him, knowing that he cares, knowing that he has the best intentions and the best plans, plus he's got all the power. He's got all the power. So for me to be able to say, God, take the dead things in my life and make them alive. Take the things that don't belong and remove them, get rid of them, and the things that need life breathed into them, breathe the life. Here's the thing that sticks out to me about Lazarus. How crazy would it have been if Lazarus didn't take off the grave clothes? Right? You didn't have to see him coming. You could smell him coming. Because the grave clothes would have still stunk like death. And he says to, he doesn't say to Lazarus, hey, you go ahead and just take those off yourself. He says to the people around him, hey, you guys help him out. Do we need each other? You better believe it. I've talked to people before like, I don't need to go to church. I can worship Jesus in my living room. Yes, you can. But what you don't have in your living room is all of these amazing people who want to help remove the things in your life that don't belong there. That God has blessed us with each other. So that he can call things to life and say, hey, you walk with each other and start removing the things that remind you of death. Because I need to be reminded sometimes. My wife is amazing in that. We know each other so well, and she'll go, hey, that attitude, that's not you anymore. 
I'm not the same person I was when we got married. And Megan's like, amen. (laughs) And I'm going, amen. Because when I look back, I'm like, Lord, thank you for what you've removed from my life, that you've used my wife, you've used my kids, you've used pastors and friends, brothers and sisters, both near and far. You've, you've used people I haven't even met, books that I've read by people I, I don't even know to help remove the grave clothes because God doesn't intend for us to live like dead people. He intends for us to live like living people and life to the full. Why? Because he makes things alive. Calls death out and says, you have no place. Get out. You have no authority. You have no power. I am making dead things alive. This morning, this morning, where are you at? First and foremost, have you been saved to eternity? Have you said yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior? The death that he died, the sacrifice he made for you, it was for you. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. He gave his only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. That is for you. Probably the most well-known passage of Scripture on the face of the planet, and appropriately so, because that is hope. That is life, and that is what he has brought. Can I encourage you this morning, if you have never said yes to Jesus, if you have never received from him the life that he brings, the life he is freely giving to you because of the price that he paid, if you've never said yes to him, can I encourage you this morning, don't Wait, don't delay. See, because this life is short and we don't have time to mess around. See, because if we miss it here, we don't get to make that decision on the other side of death. See, once we die here, if we're not alive in Christ, we're dead for eternity. And that's a downer, but it's the truth. It is the truth of God's word that we only have this life to make a decision to say yes. Why? Because Jesus died in this life for us to reconcile us and restore. If you've not said yes to Jesus, don't delay. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. He wants to make you alive. Maybe you're someone who said yes to Jesus. Maybe recently or maybe it's been years ago. But the smell and the stench of dead things lingers. Can I encourage you this morning? Jesus wants to remove the grave clothes. He wants to remove the grave clothes. He wants to unwrap those things and say, you are free. You are free to live for me. You are free to enjoy this life, to walk in blessing and abundance. That he's given us each other. He's given us this church, his body, to stand with each other, to unwrap, to remove, to get rid of those things that God would say that doesn't belong in your life. That's something of death, and I want to make it alive. My prayer this morning is that the Holy Spirit would be resonating in your heart. It might be big things, it might be small things, but death smells like death, doesn't it? A little bit goes a long way. 
And it can limit and hinder and stop the plans that God has for you and me. Jesus is making dead things alive by his power. We have this perspective, an empty tomb, an empty grave, a living God, a living Savior who defeated death for us, for you and for me. Can we stand together this morning? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. If you fit into that first group, If you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, if you've never said yes to the life that he wants to give, the eternity that he brings, that he has secured for you, if you have never said yes, and this morning he is stirring your heart, he is tugging on your heart to say yes, here's what I want you to do. Just boldly raise your hand up right where you're at. Boldly. Jesus died in public for you. He died on a cross in front of the masses for you. And he says, if you acknowledge me in front of men, I'll acknowledge you in front of the Father. If you've not said yes to Jesus, nice and high so I can see. Thank you. I see that hand. Anyone else? Church, that's awesome. That's someone who is saved for eternity right there. Anyone else? Don't miss. Don't miss. Don't miss the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. He is holding his hand out. He is calling out saying, come out of the grave. You are no longer dead. You are alive. Anyone else? Raise your hand up nice and high. Let's pray this prayer together. Through Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Thank you for bringing dead things to life. For saving me, for forgiving me, for making me a new creation. I repent of my sin and I commit to follow you in Jesus' name. Maybe you fall into that second category. Maybe you've wandered. Maybe you're not where you're supposed to be. Maybe it isn't just the lingering stench of things that are dead from a long time ago. Maybe there's new dead things being even introduced now. That God would say, I'm not okay with you living in death. I've brought life to you. If that word speaks to you this morning and you're in a place where you'd say, Lord, I want to recommit my life to you. I want to get back to where I need to be so that the things of death are removed and the things of life are introduced back into my life. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand nice and high? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep them up, keep those hands up. I don't even say don't look around. You know what, this is a bold statement. Thank you. Jesus sees your hand and he is saying, I am removing the things of death even now. Lazarus had to come out of the grave. You can put your hands down. Lazarus had to come out of the grave before the grave clothes could be removed. Jesus calls us to action, taking that step and saying yes. He sees that. He honors that because he did it for you. Anyone else? Anyone else saying, I need, to, I need to get back to where I need to be with Jesus. Don't miss the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. 
Father, I pray for these who've raised their hands this morning. God, I pray that you would come in like a cleansing flood and that you would remove the stench of death, that you would remove the grave clothes and that you would bring life and life abundant. And I pray that you would surround every one of these men and women who have raised their hands today, that you would surround them with people who care, people who will point them to the truth, people who care enough to speak the truth in love. Give them discernment and wisdom and how to move forward. Bring breakthrough in their lives, I pray. And Jesus, this morning we glorify you, we honor you, we say thank you to you for what you have done in us, what you have done for us, and what you're going to do through us. Lord, you haven't just made us alive so that we can just enjoy life. You've made us alive so that we can go out and call others to life, to proclaim the message of life. And I pray that we would do that faithfully in Glendora, in Azusa, in Laverne, in San Dimas, in Covina, Lord, to the ends of the earth, that this would be a church that is a life-giving church because we serve a life-giving God. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise. Amen. If you raise your hand this morning, either for the first time to receive Jesus as your Savior, or if you're rededicating your life, we have something for you. There's a, there's, these are on the back table, at the welcome table. I invite you to go by. It's just that there's a letter, some information. It says yes right on the front because we get to just say yes to Jesus. That's all we have to do is say yes to Jesus. There's a Bible. There's a New Testament Bible. And then there's a life journal. There's instructions in here on next steps. One of those is getting into the Word of God. One of the ways that the death, the stench of death is removed is when we start learning what God thinks about us. And his, the best place to do that is in, in His Word. You can check out the journal. There's a reading plan. Uh, there's instructions on how to use that journal. But allow the Word of God to cleanse you. Come back next Sunday. Tools for the Journey will be talking about meeting God in His Word next week. And so if you want to know how better to engage God in His Word, right here, same place, same time next week. And, uh, and it'll be awesome to, to see you there. I want one last thing. If you raised your hand today, would you do me a favor? And once I dismiss, would you just make your way to the front and just, um, just come say hi. I'd love to give you a hug. Our prayer team will be up here. They're going to come forward in a second. They would love to pray with you. This is a good first step. Pray with someone and say, I need God to do a work in my life. Our prayer team will be available. If you have any other prayer requests, any other prayer needs, we'd love to pray with you. We believe that God moves in power when we pray, and so we make place for that. Otherwise, would you hug a few people before you head out today? Have an amazing, amazing Easter Sunday. We look forward to seeing you next week. God bless.